Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking in to the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is Alex Jackson, the sports editor for the Duke Chronicle, which means he covers the Duke Blue Devils basketball team, which also means he's got valuable information. If you're a Houston Rockets fan right now, I'll explain that shortly. But great to have you on the show, Alex. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, right now, I'd say the Rockets are odds-on favorites to end the season with the NBA's worst record. That locks them into the top five lottery pick. And by near consensus, Paolo Banquero and A.J. Griffin are considered top five, which means there's a 40% chance, uh, according to my, my brain, that one of them ends up a Houston Rocket in a little over three months. There's actually one other Blue Devil who can end up in Houston. But before I get to him, let me start by asking you about Paolo what can you tell us about him that we don't see in YouTube highlights? Uh, Paolo is just a special player. I mean, he's really bringing back that mid-range shot. If you just watch him play, he just goes one, two, cross through the legs, and then just pulls up on the spot. It's pretty much unguardable in college. I'm interested to see how that plays into the NBA. The mid-range has pretty much been starting to get phased out, it seems like, but he's really <laughs> doing all he can to bring it back. He's just a freak athlete, really works the spacing on the court really well. I'd say probably the most underrated part about his game is his passing. He sees the floor extremely well and just is able to whip passes across the court to the open shot. Uh, yeah, I, I think he has all of the talent available to take it to the next level. What do you guys know about him personally, his leadership qualities, the intangibles, I guess, that is going to be all part of the equation for the Rockets as they evaluate him? Yeah, I, I think leadership has been one of those things that um, has been kind of a question mark for him. I think um, a lot of skeptics or analysts would like to see him talking more on the floor, kind of commanding the offense more as he is Duke's largest offensive weapon. Um, people really want to see him being the guy who's talking, but it's kind of difficult right now when you have guys like Wendell Moore, who is that captain for Duke, and he's the one who's running the offense, and he's the one who's setting everything up kind of being around pro talent can definitely bring out the leadership in those intangibles, like you said, a little bit more in him. That is That has been one of my question marks for Paolo, especially as Duke has kind of struggled these past four games. I would like to see him kind of talking more, bringing his guys up, but it's something that I think that he can develop into for sure. The scouting report on Paolo is that his outside shooting still a little bit inconsistent. His defense a question mark at the next level? Is that all fair? Yeah, I, th I think the, out the outside shooting, he's 6'10". It's not like he can't shoot from three. He's definitely able to pull up on the spot. And at, at the Syracuse game, I was there. He was just nailing it from the corner. Um, so he has his spots for sure. And he can, he'll be able to develop a little bit more. He's still young on the defensive end. Uh, yeah, I would like to see a little bit more defense out of him, uh, especially for his size. When guys back him down, he finds himself like sometimes in uncomfortable positions underneath the hoop. But I think, again, working with, pro talent he'll be able to figure out how to use his size better to his advantage blocking shots creating havoc around the rim defensively do you see improvement as the year goes on do you see improvement with other parts of his game I mean how quickly does he pick things up and and how quickly do you see him you know correcting mistakes that he's making yeah I, I think Duke faced some of their toughest challenges early in the season with with Kentucky and Gonzaga. And then his ACC play picked up, the style of basketball changed a little bit. So I think that was an adjustment that he had to make. And I think that he adjusted well. Like, there were some games earlier in the season where, where you were like, is this the same guy that showed up against Gonzaga? 
but um, I think that he's kind of adjusted to that style of play and he's really been able to figure out how to work with Duke, which I think is like one of the hardest things to do when you're entering a new team with a bunch of new guys is figuring out how to play with your new teammates. So I think that's an important skill that will work well for him in the NBA. It's just no matter where he ends up, he's going to have to be a whole new group of guys. So just want to remind everybody that if you're listening to us on the podcast, we're also up on YouTube now. So make sure to go over there and subscribe to us. Uh, let's move to AJ Griffin, who most scouting gurus have moved into the top five in the lottery, actually born when his dad, Adrian Griffin, was playing for the Houston Rockets. You wrote that in a piece that you did. What can you tell us about AJ Griffin? I think AJ is my favorite prospect on Duke. I think that his ceiling is just so high. Um, he's just a pro shooter. I mean, just watching him, <laughs> the shots he takes, I mean, like I, half the shots he takes, I'm like, there's no way that goes in. And it just, just splashes like it's it's fun to see him play and then I think one of the most underrated parts of his game is just how like everyone sees him as a three-point shooter and he's having one of the best three-point shooting seasons of Duke but when he attacks the rim he's able to get these shots over other big men to fall that I'm just like there's no way that that he's doing that on a regular basis but uh, he can really score from all three levels and he's athletically so gifted watching him rebound he gets so high in the air and just grabs the ball with one hand I mean, he's strong fast like yeah the injuries have been a problem for him over the past few years so it's kind of amazing to see that he's at this level having only played like two and a half years of college basketball or of high school basketball and then being injured before duke but i think that he's young and having only played a little bit to being with the level he is he's got so high to go do you see that injury affecting him all this year or, or as the year has gone on have you seen him more comfortable on his legs and 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 how he's maybe getting over this injury now yeah, the injury thing has always been a concern for me, and I was wondering if that would be playing. And it de he definitely started out the year slow. There was no question about that, um, getting adjusted. Once ACC play started, I think against Wake Forest was his first start. He really had that breakout game, and he hasn't really looked back. I would say that at times he has tended to maybe not have as large of an impact on the offensive game as he could, uh, maybe letting Paolo or Wendell or Trevor kind of take over and him just taking a back seat, which I think he'll have to learn how to pretty much enforce himself. I get it right now. It's hard. You're like one of the youngest guys on the team. Duke's running pretty much a six man rotation. So sometimes Jeremy Roach is in and you're not the guy on the spot, but still finding ways to impact the offensive game, I think is something that he needs to consistently work on just finding maybe if he's not the number one guy, how to be like ready in the corner for a shot. And as for the injury, I just, I think that it hasn't really affected him after he got going, but I, it does give me like a little bit of worry just as it would with anyone going to the NBA, you know, like a recurring injury is, is never a good thing. And guys who are injury prone can get their whole careers derailed by an early career injury. Yeah. Those medicals are going to be a, a huge deal. I'm sure when the NBA guys look at him and, the shot making on the perimeter, it reminds me, Alex, of a little of Chris Middleton at the NBA level. And yep. normally I'd say that's good since Middleton is the second best player on a team that won a title. However, my concern when I watch Griffin is that he doesn't shoot from as far above his head as Middleton. And he makes mm -hmm. himself a little shorter when he shoots. He spreads his legs out wide. I've noticed that more and more. So my 
I guess big concern is his ability to get his shot off at the next level. Do you see any of that? I totally understand what you mean. He's definitely has an unconventional shooting form with that wide base. And that early, early on in the season, people were really questioning when we, or at least from our side, would that be like an effective way to shoot? But there's nothing that's been indicated to me yet that he's having trouble getting his shots off. At least around these college guys, he's definitely able, he's got a quick release, even though it's coming from a low point. So that catch and shoot really works well. And he works a step back into his game so well that he's creating space on his own and the the low starting point, the low release point hasn't really affected him as far as I've seen. You talk about his athletic ability. I don't see him show it off quite that much when he right. when he's playing. I mean, do you, do you see it more in practice? Is that just the way his style is during the game or he's being a little bit more understated? Or is that, you know, that's that's the way he likes to, to play offensively? And that is one of the things that I was thinking about leading up to this is he is a great athlete, but he hasn't really, I don't know if this is just how coach K has worked it. He doesn't really work it into his offensive game. You see it on the defensive end for sure. His ability to sky up above everyone and grab rebounds. Um, he's got that, that great first jump. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I guess I don't really know why he doesn't attack the rim with more ferocity. Like, uh, like when Moore does at points, even when he's missing huge dunks, he's still going for it. I think AJ Griffin rivals Wendell for one of the best jumpers on the team. And he can really get up there. I don't know if that's a fear thing with his, with his knee injury, maybe, or if it's just, he finds his game works better with Paolo and Mark Williams being down low and him staying outside for the shots, but come to the next level, I'd really like to see him working that into his game more. I think maybe the transition game isn't as big of a thing for Duke this year as it is in past years. So maybe him not being able to get out as quick as he would like. So maybe if the Rockets get him and then he, they work the transition game with him more, you'll see him use some athletic ability on the offensive end. There's one more blue devil I could easily see landing in the Rockets lap. Seven foot center Mark Williams is the type of shot blocking, rebounding and rim running center. The Rockets could really use their defense is the worst in the NBA and especially if they don't end up with Chet Holmgren with that first pick. Williams is projected middle of the first round, right where the Rockets pick from the Nets is likely to land. Tell us about Mark Williams, both the player and the person. Yeah, Mark Williams, I'll start with him as a person. He's a great guy as a person. Uh, in all the interviews, he's so willing to talk to everyone. He talks to his teammates, um, probably just right up there with Wendell and Joey. He's just constantly bringing guys up. Always got a smile on his face, too. Um, just a great guy. I feel like one of my favorite guys to talk to. But as a player, he's a great player. Let me just say that, first of all. I I mean, just you can watch him play, and you know he's a special big man. But I think he runs into some issues, maybe translating his game to the next level, because he's able to take advantage of his size so well in college because he's so much bigger than everyone else. But once you reach the NBA, there's going to be a lot of other guys that are probably as close to as big as you are. So I think he needs to maybe add a little weight and work on his footwork. I would like to see him develop his footwork a little bit more to not have to rely on just his size as much, but on the offensive end, being able to actually work some more post moves into his game. And then on the defensive end, just the sizing up will help him be able to take on bigger guys. When you have Giannis running down the lane, just being seven foot one isn't really going to stop him. Is there parts of his game that you think we haven't seen this year because Duke is so talented at other places? Is, is there parts where maybe they're not using him because of that? I'm not really sure. I like to, I mean, Duke runs the pick and roll often, but not necessarily well. <laughs> He's definitely a pick and roll threat for sure. And I think that if they are Duke now, whatever, whatever team the Rockets, maybe in the NBA, 
would be able to run that better. He's such a threat coming down the lane like that. So I think maybe that's one part of his game that we aren't seeing as much that, um, especially if he adds size, he'll set like better picks. I think one of the things that's bothered me the most about Duke these past four games is they struggle so much getting picked on a, on the defensive end. And then on the offensive end, they can't do the same. So maybe Mark Williams adding some size, will be able to create more havoc outside on the perimeter and then get free down low. It's impressive enough that you just got Paulo, AJ, and Mark in the first round before Wendell Moore. Guard Trevor Keels also projected first round. Most of what I've seen are projections as late first rounders. Do you think either makes a jump before the draft? What, what do you see with those two guys? I would say don't sleep on Wendell. I think that he's a great leader. And his first two years with the team, he struggled with confidence, kind of sat behind some greater talent people really down on him. And this year he's really coming to his own, which I was really happy to see. I wrote a piece on him that never got published about how he was the key to Duke's supposed championship run this season. Just beyond his being able to lead a team, he's a great defender, especially on the perimeter. Passing the ball, he has great court awareness and he can shoot it too, which has been the issue of the previous two years. Um, and I get that he's not like, <laughs> on, a, on a team with the three guys that we just talked about, it's hard to be that scoring talent, but he's got great layup package and he can shoot the three better than he has in uh, either of his last two seasons. So I think that he could do it. He could take it to the next level. Trevor, I worry about a little bit more. He's been a little bit disappointing. He had his best game against Kentucky, which was the first game of the season. And then since then he's kind of slowed down. He had one other uh, game. I can't remember which one where he dropped I think like 25 again. He's got scoring potential and he's he's big for a guard too. So he can defend really well, but I don't, I, I he's just a little bit inconsistent right now. And I think that, um, I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to return to Duke, but I think another year would be beneficial for him. I think maybe just growing up a little bit, working on that consistency on the offensive end will be able to maybe make him, I don't see him making a jump, but maybe make him a good role player. Yeah. I, I just, this past few games have been a little rough for Trevor, I feel like. How do you feel about this team going into the big dance? I mean, it, it looks like they're sort of been a little more shaky recently. I think they won like seven in a row leading into the UNC game. I thought they were really hitting their stride. The UNC game hit and their defense just imploded. For, for a team that has a lot of good defenders, it's just a little worrying to see how they aren't able to defend the pick and roll with switches. I think uh, one of the things I didn't talk about with Mark Williams, but uh, other teams have been switching him a lot onto their guards on the outside, and he struggles with that. And he's been jumping at ball fakes, and then uh, that opens up just chaos everywhere else. Yeah, so the, the defense has been a little concerning, especially through the ACC tournament. And I think well, you have great offense, but sometimes, like in this Virginia Tech game, the offense runs out a little bit, and the de defense isn't there to pick it up. You can get upset. So I, I'm not expecting too early of an exit i mean this year in college basketball has just been absurd and I'm, i every game will be nervous for me just watching them play i'll be at the first game and we'll see after that but i worry about them being a maybe even a three seed after that loss to virginia tech running into a tough like nine or ten seed in the middle of the their side of the bracket and uh maybe it's a tough ten seed with an experienced guards can be a challenge for Duke. But I, I think they, at the same time, because of all the talent they have and how I have seen them play, they do have the potential to win it all. It's just they're, 
right now, I think they're struggling. So maybe if coach K really sits down with them, rallies them back, get them back to blowing out the teams they should be blowing out, building up their confidence again. I think they have potential to do it all, but I also think they have potential to be upset, which makes every game very stressful. Yeah. I want to ask you about that because it just seems like you've got, you know, five guys that could be NBA first round picks. I'm frankly surprised a lot that they don't tear teams apart more than they do. They don't make it look easier than uh, I would have thought they would. And one thing I noticed is how slow their pace is. You'd think with the kind of talent Coach K has there, they'd want to speed the pace up. Last I checked, they were around maybe number 169 overall in pace of play, which is middle of the pack in college basketball. With that sort of talent, you want to speed it up because you figure – you're going to get more shots, meaning you've got the big advantage with all the guys that you've got. Do, do you agree or am I being a little nitpicky about that? I, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, I think that in previous years, especially the Zion, RJ, Cam year, um, Duke ran the transition like no one else. And Duke's been notorious for running the transition game really well with their talent. This year, I think uh, maybe what Coach K was seeing was like, it's hard the, I think there's been a lot of pressure on the season with Coach K's last season and guys, young guys get nervous. So fast pace of play, you end up making mistakes. And we saw a little bit of that in the Virginia Tech game. They've had some transition opportunities and just messed it up. And then the, also the ball's going back the other way. So I think maybe there was an emphasis this year on just slowing it down and playing a set offense instead of just worrying about the transition game. I would like to see more transition play. I know what you're saying. They have the talent. They should be able to do it. Um, especially this late in the season. So yeah, that that's one of my concerns going into the tournament is is being able to get those jump plays going. You get a block from Mark Williams, all of a sudden you need to be going down the other end um, instead of slowing it up. Maybe that's on Wendell a little bit, um, just making his getting his team out in transition. That I know he's always running the floor. They were at the uh, Miami game, and he ran the transition on some a few plays just all by himself going coast to coast. Those are some electric plays and that really brought Duke back in it. Uh, so I, I think that they can run the transition when they want to. And I, I wish they did it more. Maybe it's just something that coach K needs to a message coach K needs to get across to them. Yeah. I, w- I was a little surprised a lot. You know, when I watched them play about that. Um, I, I can't let you go without asking you, did you get in the building and sit next to Jerry Seinfeld for coach K's final game at Cameron? Could you, could you get in the building? Could anybody get in the building without a few thousand dollars? <laughs> yeah. So we, we get a, uh, we get two media credentials to every game. And uh, I unfortunately did not get this game. I got the road UNC game, which was the better game to see, but uh, uh, we sent two other guys and yeah, that was a star studded event for sure. Unfortunate circumstance or fortunate outcome, but uh uh, I'm sure like just having the crazies back in the building for that game was, was just awesome. Um, unfortunately I was watching it in Kayville. <laughs> I should say you're a student at Duke. So what's it been like to be there as a student and then somebody that gets to cover coach K in this final season? I, I mean, it's this being there as a student has just been kind of a, just a whole different experience. I mean, everyone wants to go to every game and like, yeah, it's Duke basketball. Everyone always wants to go to every game, but this year there's just being able to get into games has been difficult. Like as a student, you got to be out there for a while in Kville trying to be in line and uh, everyone, the crowd, the student section, just they feel the impact differently. They 
they see Coach K on the court and everyone's going crazy all the time, realizing that they're not going to have this opportunity again. I can only imagine what it was like to be in Cameron for his final run. Recovering it has been, I mean, Coach K, every press conference, he says he wants to just treat it like it's a normal season. He just wants to focus on the game and he gets maybe like four or five questions about this is your last whatever last time playing this coach or whatever and he's like I don't want to talk about that I just want to talk about the game I want to talk about my players like so uh I think covering it has been cool seeing all the honors that other schools have done have done um for for coach K have been cool to see but I think he's been trying to treat this as just any other season and I think that we at the Chronicle have been trying to do the same of course our coverage has been kind of coach focused just how we handle ourselves has just trying to be the same asking the same questions we would have any other season I believe you're not a Carolina guy you're from the Chicago area is there something you missed about coach K from afar that you understand a little bit more after being there or even something you missed about the whole Duke program that you've now seen up close in the press conferences, he's just like the nicest guy. And he's uh, soft-spoken in the press conferences, really talks to you when you ask a question. But then you see him on the bench, and he's got so much fire in him for being how old he is. It's just like those, those are things that I did not see watching games on TV, getting to see him in person and seeing him in the press conference. He just flips a switch and becomes like just the a coaching monster so I, I i don't know how much you listen to jj reddick's podcast uh the old man of the three but he's shared some old k experiences of him just lighting up the team in the huddle and you can see it on the sidelines if you watch them he just lays into them but then comes back to the press conference and he's uh all calm so it's uh it's kind of funny to see just the two sides of coach k working in one game I'm guessing you probably, like most people saw, a lot of the Duke and Coach K hate when you grew up. Oh, yeah. My my dad was a, graduated from Duke Law. So uh, I grew up a Duke fan, and uh, I received a lot of that hate from my friends, and I saw it on Twitter and Instagram, everything, social media. Um, so I'm, I'm well-versed in the Duke hate. I, I'm interested in this because, you know, here's what I think that – maybe has gotten lost with Duke and coach K over the years. I'm old enough to remember college basketball before Duke was a powerhouse before he was there. And before it started, Duke was this small private, nearly Ivy league school. It was trying to compete and arguably the best basketball conference in the country. It was almost the equivalent. And I'll make a local comparison. It's almost as, as if the rice owls were trying to play football in the sec. They, they really turned Duke basketball from, rice into Alabama football over the years. And because I understand the story, I've never quite seen them as the villain that most of the country sees. I also feel like his demeanor, Shashevsky's demeanor works for what he's trying to accomplish, but it makes him seem like more of the Lex Luthor in a Superman movie or the Joker in a Batman movie than the guy really is. Do you feel this way when you're there? And is it something that you know, you feel like is misunderstood about the whole situation with Duke and and Coach K. Yeah, I, I think that people, like I just said, he's the nicest guy, and people want to hate Duke because it's Duke and they win, they won notoriously. Um, but I think that people like to pick on Coach K because uh, <laughs> sometimes in press conferences he'll say something that could be interpreted as an excuse, and then they say, "Oh, okay, Coach K is making excuses now." Like after uh, 
after the UNC game and he came out and talked to the student section or all the fans and he's just said like like I'm sorry like this was like not our best performance he got lit up on Twitter for that um people just want to see his downfall because he's beat everyone so uh, I think it's it's kind of funny just to see how he gets interpreted by the nation no one really no one really goes wow what a, what a kind move by coach K it's always looking for like the worst thing that he did in any any speech, press conference, whatever. So I, I just think I, I kind of find some humor in it now, knowing that like, who cares really? He's like, he's just so successful. Like you can't say anything that'll knock his legacy, but it, people just love to hate Duke. I mean, there's not, there's not much more to it than that. If Rockets fans or anybody wants to reach out to you on social media and ask questions about the players that I'm talking about, because like I said, this is going to be a thing leading up to the draft. Oh, How yeah. can they get in touch with you and, and see your work? All my work's on the Duke Chronicle. It's dukechronicle.com website. Um, we have a ton of other writers too, and all their work's on there. It's really some really great reads, especially for this ACC tournament. Um, reaching out to me on Twitter. My Twitter is at Alex underscore Jackson 777. Um, you can DM me or just tweet at me if you would like. And also, if you wanted to reach out to us on Facebook, either the Duke Chronicle Facebook. We also have Duke Basketball Twitter. That's our own personal Twitter account. We have like 170,000 followers somehow. Um, just tweeting at any of us, we usually respond to people. Yeah, uh, read our articles on the website, I guess. Really great content coming out for this NCAA tournament too. And if you didn't have a chance to read all of the Coach K special edition articles, I definitely recommend going to read those. There's some great stories in there just about him as a guy and some of the players on the team. Well, like me and just about every Rockets fan, we're hyper-focused on Duke this year and watching every game and seeing these guys and seeing if we're, we're interested in them being a Houston Rocket, and it's great to get your insight. So thank you so much for bringing that to us. Yeah, thanks for having us on, and hopefully there's uh, six skit games for you guys to catch up on some more film. <laughs> Absolutely. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.